body. Oh no, you're, it's, you're, it's, it's John Davis and Super Drag. It's that's very different. <laughs> He's just going for a more respectable angle, you know. And they're uh, all related to Garfield's Jim Davis. Oh, yeah. Right, tomato potato. Really, at the end of the day. And uh, Garfield Food Truck needs to fucking give us a little bit of money. I responded right. to that tweet. Oh, you did? Yo, you just so what? you guys know we're recording. Mm. Oh. All right. Hello, and welcome to the 18th episode of the Cage Fight Podcast at this point. Cage Fight's legal! Yeah, woohoo. I can yeah. finally get to fucking... A very illegal cage fight. <laughs> oh, my fucking computer screen is just going bonkers. I don't know what the fuck is going on. You're looking at barely legal stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the FBI is like, we finally found you. This was technically illegal, not barely legal. This is barely illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like 17 and a half, and it's like in Mississippi. Listen, she was 17 months, or no, she was 17 years <laughs> in a love <laughs> She was no, 17 months. And a 17 months is fully illegal, guys. We we do not condone 17-month-old porn. We are not We're the lost We're off to a great profit. start. Y'all want the theme song again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is not this is not the Lost Prophets lead singer. We are we are uh, not endorsing. We do not endorse. Uh, oh yeah, but I was talking about that tweet um, that made me uh, angry. Yeah, um, yeah fucking uh, Promineo Studios, or I don't know how you pronounce it. I'll learn to pronounce it when you when you properly compensate us for our work. Um, has responded to our demands that they pay us for our free advertising we've been doing for Garfield Food Truck and. All they said was that they don't have any money, essentially, which I, I call bullshit on that. And I call bullshit on that, too. Uh, and also, even if they have just a little money, it's more than we have. So absolutely true. And uh, we, we deserve some compensation for our labor. That's all I'm saying. And I looked on the App Store and they have another Garfield game. Uh, and I'm not going to say it, the name of it on air until we get paid, baby. Oh, yeah. And don't look it up. Yeah, don't don't look it up. But yeah, yeah I don't know. If you can pay to license Garfield for two separate games, you can pay us for the advertising we've been giving you. All right. Yeah, come on, throw us a fucking buffalo nickel or something. Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says there's studios located in Spain, which I'm pretty sure they're like uh fucking pretty rich there, uh with all the like Spanish food they got. Yeah. You know, what I think is cool about Cage Fight is that we're not just here to talk about Nicolas Cage. Sometimes we're Garfield truthers, and I think we need those in the society. Absolutely. See, this is a slice of life podcast, you know? You come for the Cage discussion, and you stay for the insights. The insights into Garfield, into Fred Durst, into, you know... Cage, into... See, when you said insights, I heard incest, and I stay for that, too. (laughs) Hey... Oh, yeah, and we'll, we'll stay for the incest, barely legal, uh, depending on where you're located. <laughs> yeah, y'all yeah. are talking y'all Mississippi, are right? Oh. Yeah, we, we are actually recording from Mississippi. I'm, I mean, I'm here for the barely illegal incest porn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not dealing We're with that. We're going to be on fucking government list by the end of this fucking episode. Yeah, let's uh, let's yet. let's move on. I don't think we've introduced ourselves properly. Uh, I'm Jess. Yeah. Uh, everybody else, sound off. I'm Mike. Hi. This is Taylor once again joining you for part two of my uh, 
my contributions to Cage Fight. <laughs> it's your boy Dave. I've been here all along in this control room, not giving a fuck. Yeah, we'll fuck call you, Dave. I've been here for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah I've been. Uh, I've been actually. I'm recording from my car right now. Um, but I've been parked under a bridge um, because I exhumed Zach's body um, last week. He was, uh, he was actually buried with some really important documents a la National Treasure, and uh, those documents included some uh, dirt on Dave that we could use to cancel him. So dug up the body, got chased by the cops, and uh, I've been hiding out here ever since. Mm. No, Mike is definitely uh, recording this from the front seat of his car, and after this, uh, this episode of Cage Fight, he will be filming a video on why illegal immigration is bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and actually, yeah. he's it, uh, his car is a large pickup truck for the record, and he is wearing a pair of tactical sunglasses. He's wearing an oversized uh, trucker hat of a red kind, if you know what I mean. While we're on the subject, I think actually legal immigration is wrong, um, and you should just pretty much, uh, you know, deal with what you're given, and uh, you know, don't don't bother me. So. Okay. I think that's an, I think that's a take we can all agree on, and a take that Nick Cage would probably very much agree to uh, in these movies that we're going to talk about. Today. Yeah, yeah. Quite and I know if if he had the choice, he would have never left Nolans. So <laughs> no, I don't want to spoil it. This this none, neither of these movies were set in Nolans. Okay. For a no. second, I thought one of them was, or well, maybe we but... will get to that. And I have a lot of issues with where that movie was set. Oh boy. <laughs> So yeah, since we're already getting to it, the two movies we're discussing today are Gone in 60 Seconds and uh, Rage, which came out in 2014, if if you're trying to look that one up, because there are like eight or nine different movies named Rage that have come out over the last 60 years. So. Why would you name a movie with somebody like Nick Cage something so generic? Yeah. Rage Cage, you know? Rage, Rage Cage. Cage. So... We'll start with Gone in 60 Seconds. This movie is rated uh, PG-13 and came out in the year 2000. Great year. This this came out right on the tail of that uh, beautiful uh, 1999 uh, sequence of bangers. And let me tell you something. This might be the greatest movie ever made. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely don't. I definitely don't want to spoil my opinions on it. But this this movie is inarguably better than... I mean, Ooh. what, Citizen Kane, Godfather, fucking good. I mean, literally better than every movie ever made. I, I totally I agree. can't think of a movie that, except for maybe Freddy Got Fingered, uh, that is better than this one. Okay, never mind. You, you had a good point. Freddy Got Fingered is definitely the GOAT, for sure. That's a classic. Um, but Stone Cold. Top three, for sure. But yeah, uh, it was directed by Dominic Senna, uh, with an S, not a C. Who, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I hadn't heard of before, and uh, I didn't really bother looking up. So, <laughs> uh, well, actually, <laughs> you're you're uh, you're you're great at this, Jess. Keep keep going. I am quite good. You should have looked him up because we're going to be talking about him uh, two episodes in a row. Oh um, shit! Because he uh, directed season of the witch, where which we're going to be covering in the next matchup. Oh. Um, mm. Also directed um, Swordfish, um, the John Travolta picture, and California with a K. Uh, with Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis. Okay. Um, it's just called California, not California with a K. Um, but he also did a bunch of music videos for like Janet Jackson, Brian Adams, uh, Sting, and Tina Turner. Ooh. And you know, uh, not to get too off topic, but Swordfish is... Talk about top three movies of all time. That's another top three movie. You should definitely watch it at some point. I like the part I, with I, Halle Berry. 
Halle Berry was extremely hot in that movie. That is for sure. Extremely yeah, I've hot. never yes. actually seen it, but I do remember my dad being like really horny about it when I was a kid, Dude, which is too. Uh, probably why I haven't watched it uh, <laughs> as an adult, but I'll get I'll get to it. Not, not to spoil it too much, but the movie came out three months before 9-11 and literally predicted 9-11. I'm not even kidding. It's really, really ominous when you watch it now. Oh, shit. Wait, how do I know? It's, it's like I said, this movie came out in June of 2001. So this movie was very actually um, another movie that came out just before 9-11, um, which I believe predicted some of the events is uh, Shrek, uh, which came out a, just a few months beforehand. And I feel like um, that doing so well in the box office might have motivated some of the terror attacks that occurred on that day. Oh, you're right. It did come out just before 9-11. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense now. I'm yeah. Right. I actually thought it came out a little bit after, but damn. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if Muhammad Atta watched Shrek just for preparation. <laughs> that uh, that was the last bit of joy we had in this country, and they wanted to strip it away from us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this uh, this podcast, I think, mentions nine eleven almost as much as it mentions <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> well, he is in World Trade Center, so it's. Uh, I'll I'll make the um, statement that it's relevant. And uh, overruled. <laughs> okay. You all just wait until GWB gets on this hot C A S T. Yeah, we get the truth out of him. But yeah, we are. We're. Uh, is that nine eleven is always relevant because it affected all of us on a deep level. Yeah, and we're you're supposed to never forget it. So I, I try to bring it up in every conversation <laughs> at least one time. Yeah, and you you are related to Rudy Giuliani, correct? Oh yeah, actually, um, I'm married to him, um, and he's really hot. That is, yeah. Wait, um, the true sex pot, that man. A reggae singer named Rude Boy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you know he really he bangs that steel drum and he fucking bangs my hole pr- too, pretty good. Uh, I don't know where that thought came from. I already got a boner. <laughs> but you you call him Rude Boy Pussy Giuliani? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, Rude yeah, Boy also... Pussy Giuliani. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That, it, someone has to tweet that out right now. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so production companies for this one were Touchstone Pictures and Jerry Bruckheimer Films. It has a runtime of 113 minutes and uh, a budget of $100 million. And uh, guess guess the gross on this one, guys, the box office. Ooh. Wasn't it like 200 uh, something like that? Yeah, I remember uh, reading that this movie did way better than it should have. So I'm going to say this one is in the black. No, in the red. In the black. Which which is the good one? Uh, black. In the black. And $237.2 <laughs> million. That means this one's in the black. You know, All right. that is hey. the first one in a long time. And that is 10. You're back in black. <laughs> and I had the numbers very wrong last time. It's uh, 10 out of 35 movies at this point now. <laughs> so and, and and I have a question, Jess, just curious. The highest grossing film was Zandali, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> if not Zandali, Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Arsenal. Uh, actually, also this movie was written uh by a guy named Scott Rosenberg or Roseberg, um, who also has a screen uh screenplay credits on Con Air, uh High Fidelity, and most importantly, Kangaroo Jack <laughs> and the new Venom and Jumanji movies. Hey, I love it. 
Um, and he's also currently working on a film adaptation of One Punch Man and is the executive producer of the new Cowboy Bebop miniseries. Wait, um, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What? Okay, uh, this guy's in a lot of shit. I also, I love to see Kangaroo Jack uh, alumni, oh, you yeah. know, out there in the world doing good things, so. Yo, guys, uh, uh, just gonna quick throw this out there. Um, we are in a th- uh, severe thunderstorm warning, and out the window it just turned to, like, a doom storm, so we're probably gonna lose power at some point. Just uh, saying. Oh, hell. I'm uh, oh. supposed to get 60 mile an hour wind and penny size hail. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad to oh. hear that. Lovely. Uh, okay. I gotta shut the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties on cage fights. There might be, yeah. If the power goes out, uh, y'all know, and we'll have to reconvene at another point. Um, but Can we like try to like uh, try to like get the footage together and be like, this is this is the lost footage of Cage Fight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not playing around. It looks like the world's about to fucking end out the window. Yeah, I can oh, hear it cool. with my shell headphones on, so yeah, it's pretty fucking... Oh, boy. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll see Christ. how this goes. Okay. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 25% on the tomato meter from critics, 77% from audiences, so people like this one a lot more than critics do. Um, and I'm going to say 25% is criminally low for this movie. Like, this movie... I liked it. Yeah, those are some stuck up ass critics. I got to be honest here. Yeah, this this movie was not well received, um, including by like the cast. Um, like Christopher Eccleston said he played a bad role in a bad movie. And when people stopped him on the street and recognized him from it and said that he was bad in it, he would agree with them. So not a lot of love for this movie um, initially, but I feel like uh, has retroactively become, I mean, somewhat of like an action movie cult classic oh, but yeah. i don't know this movie fucking rocks and uh it it you know it's not a it's not an oscar worthy picture but it scratches some itches it, yeah it was a lot of fun a lot of fun it certainly does uh mike do you have any uh trivia notes yeah um well it, i brought up God the damn, uh writer storm before. is intense i'm sorry but uh, it just you got a window in there because it's fucked up in here <laughs> i brought up the writer before um, but for full transparency, he did leave the project uh, midway through after d- uh, disagreements with the director about rewrites. Um, so Jonathan uh, Hensley and J.J. Abrams came in and did an uncredited uh, rewrite of the script uh, oh. at the end. So the uh, the big uh, main car in the movie that Nathan, uh, not Nathan. Why the fuck did I say Nathan? Nathan Nicholas Fielder. K- <laughs> the car in the movie that Nathan Fielder wants to have sex with, uh, Eleanor, uh, there were seven replicas of uh, it made for the movie, and five of them were totaled during stunt sequences. Um, and then Nicolas Cage and Jerry Bruckheimer kept the remaining two. Um, and Cage apparently takes his out regularly for joyrides, which is sounds sexy to me. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. He attended three different driving schools to prepare for this movie uh, and did all his own stunt driving, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. I got to say, you know, Cage really does prepare for a role. If I, we really found does. out anything about him. I mean, like, he dude was... learned Navajo and he didn't even have to. <laughs> <laughs> he probably gets pulled over for racing and he fucking yells in Navajo at the cops. <laughs> uh, and apparently he, he liked the one of the schools was like a race car driving school. Um, and he enjoyed it so much that he continued to pursue it as a hobby after the movie was finished. So that's fun. 
Um, what else we got here? Uh, the this is my favorite fun fact. Uh, in some Greek theaters, the title was translated to "Come in sixty seconds." <laughs> Wait, uh, I hope the Greek audiences didn't take that as a challenge because this could have been uh, a Pee Wee Herman situation in a lot of Greek theaters. And I'm gonna say this: I mean, the first sixty seconds that Angelina Jolie appears in this movie, I think coming in sixty seconds is totally possible. Absolutely. Imagine oh, if Halle Berry was in it. Oh, dude, I come in like five seconds. Like seriously, I can I can pretty much blast on stamina. command. Uh, Angelina Jolie as and it, I can blast in about three seconds if uh, Billy Bob Thornton is there too. Um, <laughs> so I don't know Angelina Jolie. To me, in this movie, it was mostly just kind of stark and strange that she was blonde in this movie, and I was more like, "Whoa, that." Um, yeah. Blonde, blonde is definitely not a suitable hair color. I mean, I know I don't know if I should say suitable, but it's just very off-putting for her because I'm always just used to her having kind of darkish hair. So, oh yeah. I, while I yeah, agree, like, um, Laura Croft didn't dye her hair blonde. That's true. I don't know this. Uh, this movie gave me like my first boner and like dry splooge. So there was a little bit of nostalgia for like you know I want to bang her hair or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, good for you. I'm glad you could remember that experience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, Timothy Oliphant after, uh, this movie was, uh, the studio's first choice to play Vin Diesel's character in Fast and the Furious. Um, but he turned it down because he felt that these movies were too similar. Um, and so, uh, a guy named Vin Diesel got the role. Who the fuck is that guy? Uh, I think he's Ving Rhames, uh... (laughs) cousin i don't know i wish they were related that would be fuck uh we should do a vin diesel podcast though <laughs> i don't know we should oh i think uh, I, think, I think he has a he has a cousin named van uh van gasoline although i could be wrong about that yeah and then there's uh vong ethanol uh vong ethanol uh, so the uh, the film trailer for this movie was narrated by melissa disney um i'm gonna say no relation but i don't know yeah. uh but this film is is widely credited as one of the first major movies to employ a female trailer voice, which I thought was fun. Ooh. I, I can't honestly remember a single movie trailer I've seen with a female voice. I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't name one. Yeah, so, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Because he always had that guy uh, back in the day, he's like, coming this summer. And you would do like some like creepy fucking thing over like the Friday 13th trailer or whatever. But no, I've never heard of a female voice actor for trailers yeah. it's interesting yeah and then after that guy died they basically stopped doing trailer voiceovers at all <laughs> i can't remember what his name was but i he did fucking probably ten thousand trailers in his fucking life seriously yeah yeah i mean he did so many uh even though like everybody can do that voice come on let's be real <laughs> oh, it was don lafontaine that was his name that was yeah from, from Duluth. no wonder he had that voice from where Duluth, Minnesota. No wonder he had that voice. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that I mean, Bob you know, Dylan's hometown? Yeah, I was going to say, an, another another alumni with a great voice from that town, Bob Dylan. Um, I, okay, I got, uh, I got two more for you. The, um, the only true Shelby GT500, uh, which was Eleanor uh, in the movie, was um, given to uh, Nicolas Cage's character at the end. Um, and it was, it belonged to a car collector and he consented to it being used in the movie as long as it was returned in the original, 
uh, condition. So they like every part on the car that they could unbolt, they replaced with junk parts just to be safe. Oh, wow. Which is what I thought they were referencing in uh, the dozens of reviews that I read that were uh, written in the last like month about as I went on IMDb, looked at uh, the one star reviews and there's just a flood of them from angry fans uh, of this like YouTube guy named uh, Chris Steinbacher. He runs a channel called B is for Build, and mm-hmm. he's a, he was apparently building uh, an Eleanor replica, and got sued by the estate of the guy who made the original Gone in sixty seconds. Um, and so they took <laughs> the car away from him, I think, and they like what? wouldn't let him call it Eleanor. And so there was a bunch of reviews that were like the people who made this suck they they don't write movies about stealing cars they actually steal cars uh <laughs> well okay <laughs> I, i've gotta say this is just a funny situation all around well one that is kind of bullshit first of all that they took that car from him um secondly it's the wrong movie oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god yeah, I, mean, I, I love uh, I love fanboy pylons that don't make any sense. I love shit like that. It's so fucking funny. So I was like, you're a fucking bitch. It's like, listen, I that was like my grandmother 50 years ago. Can you like not? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the reason they're mad at this movie is because the replica was of was from Eleanor in this movie, which Eleanor was a different car in the original. Um, so. Oh, yeah, I think I read it in the original. It was like a 73 uh, Mustang. And in this one, it's Something a 67 like that, yeah. Shelby Mustang GT, which I believe is like, I call that the the quintessential uh, boomer dad car. Every, that's yeah. every boomer dad's dream car because it's, um I don't know, I think it has something to do with it having been in like a bullet, that Steve McQueen movie. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely like the like the the big boomer car and they have like an eight track player in it and they just fucking put all like Led Zeppelin eight tracks in it. And they they blast around with their mullets being like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well if there's any uh, angry fans of the b is for build youtube channel listening uh we stand with you and we will break into the smithsonian and get that car back for for, for you guys so you ever watch that guy's shit it's pretty good no i haven't seen that no but uh what happened to him was wrong and we will fight for his right to party yeah, no, I, I was going to say infinite solidarity to people uh, for, for fan pylons of things that don't make sense. Absolute solidarity. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. the truth. These are uh, the same people who uh, bullied that Star Wars actress off of Twitter, I think. Uh, oh, no, God, no. <laughs> but we, we forgive them uh, now. Yeah, super cool people. We love them. Okay, let's move out of the plot summary here. <laughs> uh, the first thing you're treated to in this movie is an extremely long opening credit sequence. Oh man, um, it's so fucking long. Yeah, and this really bad song is playing. That's like a really bad like hip hop mixed with like it samples some like you know hoedown country song. Where I, yeah, I don't know and what's it, going like, on. It was like they wanted to do a James Bond opening, but there was like no cold open. It just drops you into this super long opening title sequence, and uh, honestly, I you know it's impossible not to tune out in like the first two minutes because <laughs> like 10 minutes long absolutely so, so you're 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 telling us jess that the opening like the t- the title track for this movie is hiccup is that what you're te- is that what you're telling me yeah yep it's hiccup um <laughs> they gotta you know they they know their audience 
Um, and sometimes you just gotta, you know, you drive to the theater with the Kid Rock CD in the disc drive and, uh, you go and see a good car movie. <laughs> so that, that's the thing though, right? Is that anyone who did like Kid Rock probably fucking loved this movie. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like if you, if you owned Devil Without a Cause on cassette and CD, you probably have several DVD copies of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now I wouldn't go that fast because I own both and i've never seen this movie wait did you really own both of those <laughs> well i had i bought the cd yeah this isn't fucking pertinent to the podcast i gotta keep taking notes it's i really think i tree. might die <laughs> yeah I, i'm a little worried i might die too the tree outside my window is going fucking nuts <laughs> the little tree that's by the porch um it went totally fucking flat horizontal for a little while there it was quite frightening oh uh, yeah it is it is absolutely pouring by me and i live like 30 miles away from you guys yeah i'm getting a lot of uh thunder and lightning out my window here and uh, this might be the last episode we ever record, fellas. I don't know. Well, hey, at least you guys aren't uh, surrounded by very high-voltage electronic devices during this. And a bunch that. of, like, 50-foot-tall trees, because we live in the middle of nowhere. Um, no, I, I kind of I feel like the, the last people who were, like, at the American embassy in, like, Saigon before the, the, the North Vietnamese were, we're staying until the end, until we can't go. <laughs> Isn't that in uh, Argo? No, yeah, I don't think of... so at all. <laughs> Argo, no, I'm pretty sure that's the plot of Argo. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, definitely. The, there were a lot of Vietnamese people in Iran at that point, for sure. So, Wait, what is the movie Argo about? Because I thought it's... It's about Argo Fuck Yourself. That's the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> Argo sure Fuck Yourself. <laughs> okay, we've been 30 minutes in and I've got a sentence into the plot summary, so i got to keep going here, but... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, it starts out, some guys steal a, a, a Porsche 911 from a Porsche dealership. There is some really bad ADR during this opening scene, but, uh, that's a side point. Uh, ADR, automated dialogue replacement, but, um, they drive it back to, uh, some warehouse where there's tons of other stolen cars, and they show the cops walking around and suspect that in order to steal these cars, they must have someone who works at, like, the manufacturing company getting them access to like the special keys and shit that they need. And I mean, I got to be totally honest here. I really don't think it's that hard to steal a car. <laughs> uh, well, these, these were fucking the year 2000. Come on guys. There were not a lot of anti-theft mechanisms on pretty much any car in like year oh, 2000 and prior. That was not much of a thing. It was, it was incredibly easy to steal the vast majority of vehicles. Yeah. yeah. But in the, in the mythology of the movie, these are the brand new unstealable Mercedes that you need a laser cut transponder key to get uh, into. Come, come in this year, the new 2001 Mercedes, the unstealable Mercedes. <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't be able to bust the windows or hotwire this thing at all. You can guarantee it in the next Feel free to try. Feel free to try. Yeah, they have like a, at the Mercedes dealerships, they have like the two wires underneath the, the fucking like you could hook these together we'll give you in under three minutes we'll give you ten thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so then it cuts to cage after that who uh runs like a go-kart rink in some southwest town he's uh left his old life as a car thief um but s some guy from his old life comes back to talk to him and says his brother's been uh captured after a, a car theft job went wrong 
So and I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's uh, it's kind of like a oh Jesus. All right, it was a very loud ass bolt of thunder and lightning out there. Um, but I will say uh, it's kind of like El Chapo going from being like you know drug kingpin to selling hot dogs on the street corner. Like you have a guy who sell like, yeah like the cars and he's like listen. Now uh, I left that life behind. Now I, I sell kids two dollar bags of popcorn before they go on the go kart. <laughs> it's like if El Chapo went from drug kingpin to like you know selling like uh, bad multivitamins for like a multi-level marketing scheme <laughs> like at like parties I don't know. Um, so cage goes back to go and try and help out his brother who he didn't even know was stealing cars um and we see christopher eccleston who has hair in this movie first time i've ever seen him with hair i believe because every other role <laughs> he's had a shaved head um because he played yeah he was the ninth doctor i believe and doctor who and then he was in fucking uh the the zombie movie you know the yeah one. he played doctor who he yeah. was doctor who well yeah he was doctor who and then yeah the, the whatever zombie movie i can't remember right now <laughs> that, uh it doesn't matter and he was in the second thor movie as some kind of uh dark elf oh yeah but oh, he uh, was in a 28 days later 28, 28 days later that's it i was like i could picture the cover it's something about it's got a number <laughs> How do you forget 28 Days Later, Jess, the best zombie movie of all time? 28 I, Doctor Who's Later. I do think that's a good zombie movie, but I go to Romero for the best ones, personally. But because uh, I'm... Yeah, that's not a fair point. I should say the best international zombie film. So he, uh, Christopher Eccleston is like the boss guy, and he's holding his brother hostage. And in order to get his brother, like, freed of the debt where he won't kill him, uh, Cage has to steal 50 fancy cars within four days. He, he has until 8 a.m. Friday morning. In response to this, Cage, I mean, he relents and agrees, um, but he's uh, he tries to get like his old team back together, which includes like a guy named the Sphinx who doesn't talk. That's his whole thing. Um, he's big and scary. Yeah, he's big and scary and he doesn't talk. And he's, um, yeah, he's the guy who plays fucking the juggernaut in X-Men Last Stand. Was that guy, wasn't oh, it? Oh, really? Huh? Yeah. Vinny Jones is also in uh, Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. But he also meets with uh, Angelina Jolie, who in this movie sports like blonde hair that alternates between dreads and not dreads. It's interesting. Yeah, very weird. Um, but uh, she is both a mechanic and a bartender and no longer does car theft. Then uh, we see like the rest of the team are like people that worked with Cage's brother. There's a guy named like Mirror Man, who is the electronics expert a Guy named Tumblr, who can drive anything um toby who is a computer genius he can hack into the dmv mainframe which i believe are the exact words they used uh, <laughs> that's the thing jess you kind of skipped it over but tumblr in this movie was the guy who literally created the website tumblr oh yes <laughs> yeah. yeah and he actually didn't intend for it to have porn on it oh. nope no, he, just... he, he intended to have child porn but not adult porn let's be well, honest. yeah barely illegal porn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, Angelina Jolie needed some convincing, but she does eventually join, and uh, they got the whole team together. And so they work out a system where they're going to call the cars women's names in order to avoid anybody who's listening in on their radio frequencies uh, from from knowing what they're targeting and what they're doing. Although this does sound kind of creepy when you're talking about targeting various women over radio waves, I feel like that might draw more attention. But <laughs> you know what, Jess? I I, th I think all of us, all of us in the internet, know about targeting women. Like that's. that's <laughs> and understand do you really think the authorities are trying to prevent human trafficking 
I mean, uh, they're not really doing a very good job of it if they if they're trying. But um, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, you know, I'd I'd rather them think I was human trafficking than stealing cars because if I was stealing cars, they would try to catch me. It's <laughs> very true. That is very true. Uh, but th- like this whole time, uh, from from pretty much minute one, uh, Cage is getting like hounded by these two detectives uh, played by uh, Delroy Lindo. Um, who's been in a bunch of Spike Lee movies, um, and Timothy Oliphant, who's from Deadwood, and a bunch of other movies also. They approach Cage, and they're they're basically telling uh, him that due to his history that he's on thin ice, like they're watching every move that he makes. Any slip-ups will result in him being put away for life. And there's a great line here when they first approach him, and they ask uh, why he's back in town. He says that he's in town to see the Lakers because he heard they got Shaquille. Uh, and this is four years after the Los Angeles Lakers acquired Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so, uh, he's a little bit late, but maybe he was in jail. Uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe he just doesn't keep up with basketball news and word finally got to him. He finally heard that um, Aaron, Carter song, uh, Aaron Carter song about Shaq. Um, and he was like, I got to see what this guy is about. And so, and that's the thing is that uh, Nick Cage literally gets his mail via like literal snail mail. So he has a snail deliver it to his house. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they they pick out 50 cars that are in the area. They find them through various means. I don't remember all of the means. Um, I know. I, I know they find one of them by watching a couple have sex for some reason. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because they, cool, they got a cool Lamborghini uh, and they got cool uh, sex. That's a little bit later. They've already targeted that car for theft, but that's when they're stealing oh, yeah. it. But yeah, but um, so yeah, uh, and in all this, Cage talks to a Mustang Eleanor that he'll be stealing last. It's a '67 uh, Shelby Mustang, which are like you know, like I said, uh, Boomer Dad dream cars. There are some guys who are mad at Cage for taking this job to steal 50 cars because they wanted the work, because they wanted to make the money. And they kind of show up and try to kill him and the other people he's working with. Uh, Cage and them, like, manage to evade them. And they walk into a diner where there's a cop is inside the diner. And they realize, you know, these guys aren't going to try anything while a cop's nearby. So they're sitting outside in the car watching them. And Cage uh, manages to um, get away by you know, distracting them and having his brother run out and tie like a, um, he like, he like chains a semi to the, the, like the front axle of their car. Yeah. And it pulls off and, uh, then the cop arrests them because it finds a bunch of illegal weapons on them. I thought it was kind of cool. It was a neat little scene, you know, I I have a a little bit of trivia for that scene. The guy driving that car is the rapper master P for some reason. I don't know why. That's what I was just going to say. Uh, I, for some reason, recognized him immediately. Uh, I was like, why the... F- Wait, is Master P in this fucking movie right now? I'm disappointed uh, in myself for not recognizing him. Holy shit. Okay. I feel yeah, bad now. I feel I saw him on screen, uh, and he made me say, ugh. The na 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 what? Yeah. He yeah. was fucking bout it, bout it. Um, <laughs> and I'm the father of Lil Romeo. Um, <laughs> so after that... Uh, they're in the warehouse prepping because they're going to go out and start stealing the cars that night, which is the last night before their deadline. Of the four days they have, they burn through three of them just getting everything set up. And so they put themselves in a position where they have to steal 50 cars inside of a day uh, while the cops are onto them and ex- and just waiting for them to steal 
high class vehicles. Yep. Yeah, no, and in, in, in the Los Angeles area, which has infamously terrible traffic, so this whole plan could have been foiled just by getting into a couple traffic jams too. Right. <laughs> it it's honestly absurd, but it adds to the uh, you know the intensity of it, even though it's completely unrealistic. I mean, you you gotta stay and figure out how these fucking guys do it, right? Oh yeah, the detective uh, Castlebeck. I think was his name reading the cast list here, but the one who's played by Delroy uh, Lindo, uh, that guy like swings by their garage in a tense moment when they're going to be, and he realizes they're going to be out stealing cars tonight because they, he sees a note on their uh, table that displays all the unit numbers and the radio yeah. codes of all the police that will be fun- working tonight in the Los Angeles area. But this is actually, this is like a, one of the classic scenes from this movie. Um, it's actually a, a repeat. Um, they, this is in the first Gone in 60 Seconds. Basically, the I don't remember the guy's name um, in my notes. I have him down as E-Boy. Um, steals a car that's not on their list. And there's like a big brick of heroin in the trunk. And so they're like looking at this brick of heroin and some of it gets on the ground. And this is when the detective decides to show up. So they put him in the car and the heroin is conveniently on the floor, like under the tailpipe. So they're getting him to rev it up. So he blows away any evidence uh, that might incriminate them. And it's uh, super fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, pretty it's a cool. Good scene. Apparently in the original Gone in 60 Seconds, um, this scene was completely out of place. Um, <laughs> but they redid it and made it relevant um, in this movie. So um, I guess all the better for it. So, yeah, that's a that's a pretty tense moment that I think is actually pretty damn well done. And um, then we have a moment that I fucking love for some reason where they're all set to go out and Cage is like, put on Lowrider. And they just sit there and jam out to the song Lowrider for a good like 30 seconds. And then they're like, yeah, let's roll. I don't know why. I thought that was fucking hilarious. (laughs) There were, there were a lot of very choice songs in this movie and like a lot of very like uh, funny uh, uh, clips. Like there's a there's a couple scenes where they're like doing hacking or whatever. And I shit you not, that exact same like hacking song was in the Yu-Gi-Oh anime. It's just really fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the the music in this movie is, I think, what is like stuck the most in my brain from this movie, because like every musical cue that started in this movie, like it started to come back to me. Like I remember every song from this movie uh, better than I, I, any other movie for some reason, probably because I saw this so many times on cable growing up, but the, the music is uh, while it's uh, not a great soundtrack is very key to a lot of parts in this movie. Yeah. You know, there's um when they're looking for people to, to get on this operation, the song uh, better days, the bottom drops out by citizen King plays, which was, oh, oh, shit. In the middle. bitch, you know, that's the thing bands from milwaukee so we have to talk about it are they really oh my god are they really yeah they're from milwaukee yeah dude i love that song so much when i was like 10 that's a fantastic song i love it but yeah i i don't know i thought it was particularly funny that it was actually in the movie that they stood there and jammed out to lowrider yeah well (laughs) One of the guys like uh, dramatically puts on his hat and starts like bobbing his head to it, uh, which I, I hear that song and I just think of the George Lopez show. Like it's not badass, or I mean it's a fine song, but it's yeah, like I, I definitely that song. Yeah, definitely George Lopez show for sure. <laughs> it just seemed weird how hard they were vibing to it. Yeah, 
I don't know. When I you think talk it about was played bo- for humor, and I think it was done well, personally. But. I, no, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you talk about Boomer Car, right? I mean, that's definitely a Boomer song. This is just basically oh, yeah. Boomer the movie. <laughs> this is a definite dad movie. Like, for oh, fucking sure. A huge dad, dad movie. movie. Yeah. But a dad movie that um, I will gladly throw on if I need to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they go out stealing cars and they steal one ass load of cars really quickly they just kind of breeze by that um and then as cage is about to steal one of them he realizes the cops are watching them and he kind of backs off uh and they get followed by the cops in an unmarked van but he gets the word out to everyone else that they're being watched and it's specifically like all the mercedes cars that seem to be being watched by the police right now so everyone kind of stops and goes back to the garage and regroups they came up with some plan. I thought it said in the movie that they were going to, like, steal the cars from a police impound lot. But then, I don't know. They just go out and seem to operate as normal. <laughs> and it confuses me. <laughs> well, there, there is a scene at the impound lot um, where the, the one dude is dressed up at, like, a pimp. And he's distracting the security guy or whatever. Oh, while yes. In the impound. Yeah. Okay, that is great. That. Yeah, and that's, that's funny. funny. When he's singing Brick House, holding the party there. He finally starts to lose the guy's attention, and so he slams on the window and starts singing Brick House with a Barbie doll. (laughs) That was great. That that legitimately made me laugh out loud. That was good. But yeah, so Cage and them go to steal a a Lambo from that... The sex couple. Mm -hmm. From the sex couple. So Cage and Jolie are there, and the couple is just fucking right by the window. And... um, then, like, I don't know, they start kind of dirty talking to each other while watching the sex, and then they are almost about to start fucking when the other couple stops fucking, and then they go steal the car and leave. You know, that's I, I feel like that that scene had to be influenced by, like, the the screenwriter or whoever is, like, kink. That was definitely a kink that they had, and they're like, let's just do it in the movie, let's make these actors do it for us, and then he jacks off to it. As <laughs> Oh, yeah. And we get that great line of, like, when they're dirty talking to each other, uh, Nicholas Cage is like, oh, what what gets you your heart going more, stealing cars or sex? And then he's like, why not both? <laughs> yeah. They start going at it in this car. Yeah, why why not like that uh that that TLC show about people that fall in love with like inanimate objects? Like, yeah, sex with cars. That's how that. Works. Yeah, hey. sex with cars, sex in cars. You can tell he's into it all. Um, also, did you notice that um, there, one of the cars that they steal? It's like a quick sequence where. Um, they steal it uh, via pretending to be a valet, and the guy they steal it from is Dr. Kelso from Scrubs. I did yeah, see that, yeah. I noticed that. That was funny. He's like, hey, buddy, you want to make it worth your while? And he gives him like two fucking quarters or something. <laughs> and then he gets in, and the guy's like wife or mistress or whatever is in the car, and he's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he say something along the lines of like, get the fuck out, you fat bitch, or some shit? Like, he says, something like that. He makes a comment about her ass. Um, yeah, he said, like, you fat ass something yeah he's like hey get out of here you fat fuck like i'm taking the car and she's like what he's like i'm taking the car get out and she just gets out out (laughs) yeah you get out of here you fat broad no one wants you in and you know i mean they're rich so they fucking they're used to it that 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 valet guy just does an andrew dice clay bit (laughs) (laughs) this freaking bro comes to me with this car So yeah, um, while they're out stealing more cars, um, the cops discover their list of cars in the warehouse and plan to stop Cage as he steals that 67 Shelby Mustang because uh, 
as I refer to him in my notes, Mr. Detective Man, <laughs> who is uh, the guy we were talking about before. Um, Delroy Lindo. Yeah, Delroy Lindo. He, um, he knows that Cage is afraid of that car and will save it for last. That was a, that was a fun scene. Oh, yeah. Why is he? Why do you? How do you know he's gonna save that one for last? Cause he's scared of it. <laughs> then we get that scene in the impound lot where Sphinx and Funny Guy, the the brick house dancing dude, who's who's the one always cracking jokes. Best character in the movie. Absolutely yes. But they steal a truck that has the license plate Snake, which ends up actually having a snake in it, like a python or a boa or something. Um, this is that's the scene I remember the most from this movie. And for some reason, I, I had mixed it up in my head and I thought this was like the first car they steal at the beginning of the movie because I just remember them playing DMX in a Hummer and then getting attacked by a snake. Or not attacked, but yeah. Sounded like somebody just got smoked in the head just there. Is everyone okay? <laughs> Sorry, uh, that, was, that was my bad. My uh, watch fell off my desk. So Well, uh, that's the thing. You, you, you mentioned DMX and it's kind of like um, uh, Candyman where if you say his name three times, DMX shows up and he'll pop you. So Right, exactly. Yeah. You, you say his name three times, and then all of a sudden, knock, knock, open up the door. It's real. It's the nonstop pop, pop, the stainless steel. Stainless steel. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Pretty soon, your ass is missing. An old man fishing finds you or something. <laughs> After that, they manage to get away, and it's it's kind of a cool scene where they like push a cop car off a ramp. And um, I think I read somewhere that the cop car wasn't meant to fall off of the ramp. That just happened in the stunt work. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, cool that they captured it. But then, uh, while stealing an Escalade, Cage's brother, who's, I don't remember the name of his brother, but, and, uh, his two buddies, or what? Kip is, uh, his brother. Kip Reigns. We have, I don't know how, but we haven't mentioned that Nicolas Cage is named Memphis Reigns in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the most, the most other, the other, either the most mid-2000s wrestler or gay porno name. That's the only I was, that could be. I was thinking of mid two thousands rapper, but a wrestler would work too. Um, well, to be fair, I mean, talk talk about Roman Reigns. I mean, Memphis Reigns. Do you think? Do you think Roman Reigns got his name from this movie and just was like, oh, just do do a different like city from antiquity, Rome? Yeah. So, uh, one of one of uh, Kip's friends gets shot, and he gets taken care of by the other guys. And then uh, the only car that's left is the sixty seven Mustang. It's Eleanor and um, Cage goes out to steal it he gets in the car and the cops notice him almost immediately because they're already pulling up on it and a car chase ensues and uh it, it's it's a pretty cool car chase um and he managed to get yeah, away I was, by- I was surprised to see um reviews saying that it was a bad car chase uh like critic reviews um because i thought it was pretty fucking good I mean, you know you, you want to talk about you want to talk about bad car chases we'll talk about that in a little bit with the next move yeah <laughs> Not only is it a it's a thrilling car chase, but Nicolas Cage did all the driving. So fuck you. That's true. He he literally took years of like stunt driving classes just to do that one scene. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. But um, so at one point they're going through one of the uh, drainage ditches or like floodgate ditches that's in L.A. And he gets away because his car is uh, nitrous injection. Then, like, the car dies, and a cop spots him as he's trying to get it to start, and another chase happens. And this one is super intense with a lot of, like, tight turns and weaving around moving construction equipment. But Cage makes it through again, and he, like, jumps the car off a ramp uh, over a traffic jam and uh, just makes it to the docks 
where they have to turn in all 50 cars and he makes it there just 12 minutes late. And um, even though he got all the cars because he's 12 minutes late, Eccleston is going to kill him instead because he's I, I think he just wanted to kill Cage mostly. Uh, he's also just pissed. <laughs> at that He could have been one minute early and he, he probably still would have gotten executed. Yeah. Cage manages to escape the henchmen who are about to kill him and he goes to kill Eccleston himself. And uh, there's a bit of a, a chase through like a warehouse or something on like some platforms way high up. And then, yeah, very uh, reminiscent of a, like a Terminator 2 warehouse scene. I would not honestly be surprised if they filmed this scene in that exact same warehouse. I oh, would yeah. not be shocked by that. It's very reminiscent of that. And then um, Detective Delroy shows up and uh, Eccleston goes after him and tries to kill him. But in this distraction, Cage rushes over and manages to kill Eccleston by like knocking him off the platform and he dies. And then uh, the detective just says, like, you know, you saved my life, and I know you were doing this to save your brother's life, which I don't know how he knows that, but uh, he does. And he lets Cage just walk out. And, which, uh, that, that would not happen, because Nick Cage and his cohorts literally stole 50 fucking cars. Like, are you just going to, like, drop an entire, like, mass Grand Theft Auto investigation and several people dead? Because, like, I don't know, you saved my life, I guess. Like, that's not really how police work works. Yeah, and... And they had, like, the entire city's police force mobilized just chasing him in a car, like, less than an hour ago. But <laughs> Like, like, like it, this is not GTA, guys. Like, the cops don't fucking, like, stop you, get home, and you're able to just, like, chill out for a couple minutes. Yeah, man, he like, lost yeah. all five of his stars. Okay. But, yeah, um, immediately after that, uh, been caught stealing by Jane's Addiction plays, which I thought was a cool little touch. Fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was really cool as fuck. Um... And uh, Dave Navarro jumps out of a car and <laughs> starts sucking everybody's dick. Yeah. Um, Angelina, well, I, I think I think you and I I think you and I watched two different movies. Wait, there was there was a lot of blowjobs at the end of this movie. Yeah, I watched the uncut uh, version, and they called oh, it okay. actually called it the uncut version because everybody was uncircumcised. No, I was, I was gonna say we're we talking about uncut version. We're talking about the uncut version. Okay. No, yeah. Angelina Jolie gets all up on Cage, like, making out with him. Sphinx, the guy who doesn't talk, says something that I think is supposed to be kind of profound, but I didn't really pay attention to what he said. <laughs> I um, didn't either, but it was, like, it was like, oh, he talks. And I'm like, oh, wait, I just missed it. Did he say something smart and then the movie's over? Like, <laughs> I think he said, um, I'm not a killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. <laughs> and then after that, it's Hail Mary and the movie's over. <laughs> But, oh, well, no, Cage's brother buys them a 67 Shelby Mustang, just like Eleanor, and they all lived happily ever after. Um, so that's the whole plot. Uh, thoughts, everybody? Um, this, this movie was honestly very enjoyable. Um, I, I honestly didn't really have too much negative to say about it, but I also don't really have a shit ton positive to say about it. It's a very, like, five or six out of ten movie for me, but I know by Nick Cage standards, that could easily be a seven or eight. Depending on yeah. what, what I, I mean, what episode we're, we're doing and that could easily be a seven or eight recommendation for his standards. Yeah, certainly not, uh, you know, on, on, a anybody's all time list. There's a lot about it that doesn't make sense. Like if you really want to think about what it would be like to steal 50 cars in a day. Um, but that's the point of the movie. It's dumb. And it's fun. Um, and honestly, uh, Nick Cage looks great in this movie. He's like, he does look better than he has in almost every other movie he's been in. I'll say that. He looks, yeah, he like, looks, he looks like 
looks downright healthy, to be honest, which is a very rare thing for Nicolas Cage to look like. Yeah, like his hair's not weird. His <laughs> face isn't weird. He's like pretty studly for Nicolas Cage. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if he looks sexier than this at, at, at any point. So you know, what, what I think it was, I think he was able to get his adrenochrome injections like right before they started shooting each scene. I think that's what what it was. Yeah, the timing was really important for this one. I got a couple of things to say, I guess. Um, one thing I want to say is it's a very colorful movie. There's a lot of uh, deep colored, like neon color grading yeah, that I think is absolutely. cool and actually adds a lot to the aesthetic. And it's pretty well done. Um, a weird thing, uh, I think, is that Angelina Jolie, I feel like, is very underutilized, um, especially considering like I don't think she comes cheap usually. You know what I mean? Like I mean, she's a pretty big actress and she has. <laughs> Talk about coming in 60 seconds. She does not come cheap. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> she's not in this movie a ton, uh, but they, they carved out that role specifically for her. So obviously it was um, important to them that she be in it for, yeah. you know, clout or whatever. What's yeah. weird is that she's on the fucking poster, but she's barely in the goddamn movie. And yeah. this wasn't yeah. like a low budget movie. This was a high budget movie. So it wasn't about not being able to pay her. It was, there was some weird decision for that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, also, the movie did legitimately make me laugh out loud a few times, which, like, you know, cool. It's pretty rare that that actually happens to me anymore. But the brick house Barbie doll thing did make me crack up. I don't know why. And uh, um, yeah, uh, there's a great cast, and they're they all play uh, their parts really well. Yeah, the cast is way better than a movie like this would probably deserve, to be honest. Like, I mean, it's got fucking Robert Duvall in it. We, I don't even think we talked about him much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't. But yeah, I think all around this is a really solid movie. Um, and that's, I mean, means a little bit more same for me, or coming from me, I think, because I'm not really a car person. This movie's all about cars. I'm not really that much of an action movie person either. Um, but I, oh. I really did like this movie quite a bit, so... That's the thing, though, is that this movie's not really a super big car nerd movie. Like, they're not like, oh, this is where the year and model. And, like, it's just a movie about stealing a bunch of cars, and they talk about maybe one or two cool ones in it. So yeah. if, you're, if you're alienated by that kind of shit, it's it's really not that bad. So Yeah, like, the, the, the car talk isn't intense. If anything, uh, it's mostly just, like, the people in the movie and the audience being like, well, that's a cool-looking fucking car, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, bro, that car's fucking badass. And then they just like, you know, swirl the beers around a little bit with their mullet listening to fucking Kid Rock, Ba Wada Ba, you know? Exactly. It's what you did back in the year 2000. But yeah, um, all around, I think a really solid movie. I actually like this quite a bit. Maybe it's that, like, you know, over the course of doing this podcast, the majority of movies that I have watched have starred Nicolas Cage and have been really bad. But when when we find a good one on this podcast, I qu you know, I have a good goddamn time and I like to talk it's, about it's, it. Genuinely, it's genuinely rare early on, especially in this bracket, where you get not only a, a, a big budget Nicolas Cage movie with good actors, but also just a downright enjoyable film. Like, yeah. that's not a very common thing for the early bracket of Cage yeah, it definitely isn't very common at all. I, I think I could count, like, maybe, like, on one hand, the amount of times that's happened this far. So, yeah. I think this was the first time that I was, like, genuinely excited to sit down and watch this movie because I hadn't seen it since I was probably, like, 13. And uh, it was a good fucking time. Yeah, and I, I do think it's pretty cool that they did all the stunt work, you know, with actual stunt drivers driving cars. It's not CGI or anything, like... I don't know. 
And and fucking Nick Cage doing his own stunt work, I think that's badass. You know, go for it. He's great in it. Decent flick. Um, certainly a good popcorn movie. And you should check it out. Would you like to hear my notes? Yes, I would. I tried to focus really hard and actually take really good notes this time, so hopefully you guys like them. Okay. All right, your job depends on it, so. <laughs> All right. Um, Brad Pitt has a swordfish in a Janet Jackson music video. Mike's dad was really horny and 9-11 predicted ominous shit. Shrek is played by Brad Pitt during the terror attacks, and that makes a lot of sense now. The last bit of joy we had in this country was Halle Berry stripping away. Gay Giuliani, Gay Giuliani, Gay Giuliani, Touchstone Productions, gross. Gay Giuliani in the black. Bill Goldberg is high fidelity and kangaroo. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. It looks like the world is ending outside and that is troubling. Someone is having sex with a car in the movie, I think, but I'm not paying attention because I think a tree is going to come through the window. B is for build a wall or something, and I guess Eleanor is like 73 and they're talking about Steve McQueen now. I don't know, I got a learning disability and now they expect me to pay attention to all this stuff there's there. Kobe Bryant makes a cameo in the Camaro that he hacks into the mainframe in. Rest in peace, Kobe, we miss you. Kobe is targeting women, though, which is pretty bad, especially considering his history in Colorado. Kobe is being hounded by some detectives and a hitman that no one remembers, and Kobe is on thin ice. Also, he is slipping. Why is he back in town? To see the Lakers. And his teammate, Shaq, face off with Aaron Carter. Eventually, they start listening to Flo Rida, and everyone likes that. Now someone is having sex with a car. Now DMX is knock-knocking on the door with Eleanor, the 73-year-old lady from earlier. Angelina Jolie asserts that David Navarro sucks dick, and Shaq calls that bullying. Everything winds up being alright, mostly. Beautiful. Beautiful. I don't remember all the... The basketball players being in this movie, but, uh, you know. That's, that's, that's the thing you, you might not know, Jess, is that this movie um, was inspired by Space Jam. Oh, okay. And that's where all the basketball players in the movie came from. There's a lot of basketball player cameos. I, I, I just don't know if you didn't notice it because you weren't paying attention, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that Dave was, Dave was able to catch up on it through my summary which omitted it it's it's, it's quite amazing yeah, let me know well i think the part about gay giuliani in the black was pretty good yeah so solid summary uh and solid. then I, I i think uh mike's gonna go through his uh amazon reviews then um so i got some uh, amazon reviews here um some people who are happy some people who are not so happy um some people who may fear they've wasted their money um <laughs> so First one is from uh, Hassan Abdeen. Um, his review is titled Only for Classic Cars Fans. Um, and he writes, The trailer gives much more credit to the movie than it deserves. And for great actors such as Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie, the movie should have been much better than this. So what makes this movie not as good as it should? One, lack of ongoing action until the last quarter of the movie. Two, lack of modern, expensive, fast cars. Three, lack of Cars action except for one classic at the end. Four, the jump of 1967, uh, 1967 Shelby GT500 Mustang was an insult to audience intelligence. Five, nice story but not well covered. Do not expect too much of this film. So uh, I, hope, I hope that jump uh, didn't fool you guys because that was an insult to our intelligence. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely going to have insulting. <laughs> nope. Can't. 
jump um, a car. Got a review from Crackles McFarley. Um, his review is titled Battery Acid to the Eyes. Could not start laughing. Hype, not funny. These people were made millionaires overnight for a boring, hyped, unfunny, vomit-inducing movie with gags seen in movies like Police Academy 1 through 99. I guess people high on DMX or pot might laugh. <laughs> but those are lost people anyway and probably should volunteer for wood chipper testing anyway. Okay, okay so high on DMX. Jess, are you high on DMX? Oh, uh, you know, I'm high on DMX every day. X gives it to me. That's all I'm saying. But um, Hey, you're a lost person and are suited for a wood chipper. But, and with the name, though, Crackles McFarley, I can't help but feel this was a joke review. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just Crackles McFarley just can fucking. <laughs> Crack me up. Yeah. So bad. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I have, a, I have a review from Kenneth Anderson, who uh, he titled it Wretched, and he writes, Only Hollywood can make a film this bad, completely as worthless as a hangover without proceeding drunk. <laughs> <laughs> without proceeding drunk. That is the most Slavic review I've ever heard in my entire yeah. This movie terrible. It's like proceeding hangover without drunk. What was it? <laughs> that was that was wild pfv writes uh zero star uh what a dumb movie this is what passes for comedy and there are two more after this one terrible not funny and not entertaining Wait, terrible and a ripoff i paid 3.99 for this but you couldn't pay me enough to watch the next two i give it zero star are there two yeah there's gone in 60 second sequels um uh that there is not but i think um i think you'll understand uh with these next few reviews what they're talking about okay uh, barbara writes uh slapstick at its work <laughs> barbara says a baby was used and abused the whole premise was ridiculous demeaning of white privileged males poorly acted we stopped watching out of boredom and disgust when the perps left Las Vegas. I resent paying $3.99 to watch such claptrap. And uh, so the final review, I think, will be the, the last piece to the puzzle. Uh, Joel writes uh, five out of five stars. Insanity as the wolf pack is let loose on Vegas. When The Hangover was released in 2009, it was by far the funniest movie of the year. I have watched it again and again since then and still gets a laugh. The movie is a hilarious take on the buddy film starring Bradley Cooper as Phil, Zach Galifianakis as Alan, and Ed Helms as Stu. They go on a bachelor party for their friend, Doug, in Las Vegas. As Phil says at the start of the movie, things got out of control and they lost Doug. The hangover then recounts their crazed day of partying. Wait, so, so they just posted the hangover reviews for this movie? <laughs> so, um, so I went through a bunch of reviews for this movie uh, and 98% of them were reviews for the hangover. <laughs> um, there were a few that were definitely about this movie. Um, but it took me a while to catch on that 
All of those except for the first one were about the hangover. What the what? fuck? <laughs> so, um, how did that happen? What yeah. the fuck? Seriously. I don't know how that happens, but if you purchased um, Gone in 60 Seconds and got the hangover or vice versa, um, I would go to your uh, preferred internet browser and type in HTTPS backslash Amazon.com slash support for more information. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so just quick, Mike, were there any reviews that complained about the quality of the DVD that was shipped to them? There was actually a lot. Uh, <laughs> I did decide to skip over those ones this time, but there was a lot of people who, um, actually on this one in particular, um, people said that they didn't buy this movie, but they, like, somebody either hacked into their account and bought this movie, or they just got sent and charged for this movie. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but yeah, a lot of people who I love said the that people who put that in reviews and don't like, you know, contact fucking customer service, which is literally their job. Like there's a certain, there's a certain gray area on Amazon where uh, you don't know if you're reviewing the uh, product itself or the Amazon experience of receiving that product. Um, so there's a little bit of both. Okay. Oh, that, uh, yes, I get that. Okay. Well, I guess uh, if, I think that's all we have to say about God in 60 Seconds here. Uh, I think we're going to take a short little break, and then we'll come back with uh, the movie Rage. So uh, we'll see you in a minute. Well, we're back, everybody, and um, hey. now we're going to move on to Rage. I'm sorry, Jess, before we go, mm-hmm. despite all my rage, I'm still Nicolas Cage. It's true. <laughs> when I looked this up on Amazon Prime, because that's where I watched it, um, a Rage Against the Machine live show came up, and I almost watched that instead, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is my job. You know, Jess, I will say you would have you had a much better time. I'm not fucking around. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But um, so Rage came out in 2014. This was not rated by the MPAA. Uh, it was directed by Paco Cabezas, which kind of sounds like a made-up director. <laughs> isn't, isn't, okay, so is it Cabeza? Isn't that Spanish for like head or something? Yes. Yeah. His name is Paco Heads. But um, <laughs> that's the thing. Pa- Paco gives good heads. Let me let me tell you. I, I could definitely. <laughs> Yeah, one of the one of the trivia facts on his uh, IMDb page is that he definitely exists. Well, he made the movie Mr. Right in 2015, which featured Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick and Tim Roth and RZA. Oh, oh boy. Uh, RZA versus Master P. Who is the better performer? <laughs> well, well, RZA's not in this movie. And he also made The Appeared. Um, which... Yeah, he's uh, mostly a uh, TV director. Um, he's been on like he worked on American Gods, uh, Penny Dreadful, Fear the Walking Dead, and The Strain. Oh, okay, so he does a lot of Golden Age TV shit. Yeah, yeah, which is very apparent in this movie. But yeah, uh, this was produced by Patriot Pictures, Hannibal Classics, and Saturn Films, Cage's production company. Which we generally before this were only seeing in movies made around like oh seven to oh nine. So it's interesting to see it back in in action uh, here 
you know, four, five yeah, years down the line. Yeah, this might be the tail end of the Saturn films uh, pantheon. Mm-hmm. A runtime of 99 minutes and a budget of $25 million. Box office gross was not listed anywhere, which by default means it goes in the red, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if the box office is not listed, that means this movie made no money. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that is 10 out of 36 movies, a whopping 28%, I believe, uh, of movies so far. And coincidentally, the Rotten Tomatoes rating from the audience, also 28% on this one. 12% from critics. No, think, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, R- Rage is, uh, I think it was 12%, actually. Oh, that was the critics one. The audience one was 28%. But yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all the facts I have. Mike, you got any uh, trivia? Uh, the only real trivia that I have about this movie is something that um, kept uh, popping in my head while after watching these movies back to back last night um, and is extremely relevant to this particular episode. The uh, Mustang that Nicolas Cage drives is the same paint scheme, gunmetal gray with black racing stripes as Eleanor from Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. You know, I, I did notice that when they were driving. I'm like, that car looks really... Oh. <laughs> Both Mustangs with the same color scheme. Uh, and we're going to pretend that it was completely intentional that these two movies got matched up together. Yeah, because it was. <laughs> it was. It was. We knew that before this. That's the thing about Cage Fight. We do everything extremely intentionally on this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are no false moves. None. Everything is meticulously like we're we're jigsaw from the Saw movies level meticulous with our planning here. Nothing goes. Oh, yeah. We should be committed. So, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> getting into the uh, plot summary, then. Uh, so it opens on Cage's stoic, unmoving eyes as he stares at a door, and a shotgun slowly pushes the door open, and we see the title card: Rage. This was maybe a 15 second long cold open, which right off the bat feels really weird. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a cold open that short before, but uh, yeah, it, it was a real shock to the system. <laughs> so then we see Cage picking up his daughter, Caitlin, from high school. We it's kind of like a montage of his life. He's breaking ground on some project because I think he owns a construction company. I, that's what I gathered. Um, Something like that. Yeah, he's working with the mayor personally on this construction project. Uh, he is apparently like married to a woman who is not his daughter's mother, but her stepmother. And um, yeah, I don't know. And That's... also just uh, like every other Cage movie that came out around this time, she is much younger and more attractive than he deserves to be with. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we're willing to uh, ignore that uh, for the sake of the plot. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing in this movie is that, and I don't want to spoil it too much, he's also incredibly nice to her all the time. Very respectful. Oh, yes, completely. You can see why this woman who is both out of his league and, like, way younger than him wants to stick around with him because of how wonderfully he treats her. But, um, uh, Kate's daughter, Caitlin, is having some some friends over, two boys, and uh, one of them is named Michael. I don't remember the other's name. Cage is about to leave with his wife to go to some business meeting and he pulls Michael aside and goes like hardcore boomer dad on him. You know, the one who's like, if you're taking out my daughter, expect to see yourself at shotgun point. You know, that type of shit. Rule rule number one for taking out my daughter. You kiss her and I kiss you. And and this is right after a scene uh, where Nicolas Cage expresses um, interest in this 
particular guy because he has a job. It's like, oh, he's a hardworking youngster. Yeah. Uh, so he basically gives this kid permission to bang his daughter. <laughs> so, so listen, like, you you exploit yourself for the capitalist system. You get some fucking pussy. Oh yeah. And in this house, my daughter is my property. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so at the business meeting that Cage is at with his wife, uh, Detective Danny Glover comes in, which I. <laughs> That was that was really weird seeing Dan. I'm like, Danny Glover, don't, come on, dude, don't tell me you stooped that low, dude. Yeah, like, come on. I know he could do better than this, you know. Oh, and Danny Glover is so cool in real life, but he always puts himself in these shit roles all the time. <laughs> but yeah, Detective Danny Glover comes in to tell Cage that some people broke into his house and kidnapped his daughter. Not to digress too much, uh, Jess, but I do have an idea on why Danny Glover might be in these movies because back in 2004. He also had a quasi break breakthrough breakout role after his initial fame in the, the first Saw movie. Yeah. So maybe he thinks that it'll strike gold by being in this this also, I'm sure, legendary film. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we we gather from the conversation with Danny Glover and Cage that they've kind of had a history together. Like Danny Glover has watched Cage because Cage has some sort of criminal past that he's 15 years out of the game of you know he's memphis reigns from gone in 60 seconds yeah. oh, and i was i was literally gonna say why do why do both these movies not only have basically the same car but also like black detectives who follow nick cage around all the time yeah. because he has a history yeah yeah because nicholas cage has a history it has gotten out of the game since then but um yeah, truly uncanny yeah. Like, what is, why are these movies so related? You know, honestly, do you think that this movie is a sequel to Gone in 60 Seconds? It really feels like it at certain moments. Yeah. But, um, so Michael apparently talked to the police, um, and told them what happened to them, which is, uh, like, three guys broken in a home invasion, dragged away, uh, Caitlin, Cage's daughter, and kidnapped her. They stole his daughter. Yeah, they stole his daughter. And they did, um... They didn't leave any ransom demands or anything. They just left. And I put this in my notes. Uh, and if you don't believe me, I'll bring out uh, my roommate, Eric, that I watched this movie with. And he'll he'll <laughs> verify this. But I called it right here. Michael is definitely the perpetrator in this. I wrote it. I down. did, too. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> the fucking first minute of this oh. movie. Honestly, <laughs> I. I have too if i didn't start watching this movie at one o'clock in the fucking morning <laughs> after being awake for 17 hours i probably would have figured that out <laughs> yeah which uh, spoilers for the plot but you're gonna hear it summed up pretty quickly but um you know listen, I, I will say there's yes, a twist don't bother this movie's not fucking worth watching in the first place it's, true. it's free on prime so if you're drunk go for it <laughs> Um, Danny Glover says they'll find her and they're working on it and cage needs to let them handle it and not do it himself so Cage hears this and immediately goes to his friend's place. <laughs> like, well, first, first he swings by Michael's place and he's like, he tells, he gets kind of racist in a story where he tells Mike about how he broke a guy's legs with oh, a tire oh, iron. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jess. So I actually have, I actually have the quote that he talks to Michael with in the bedroom. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. The line just drove me crazy. So he's like, listen. You know, I was on the beach. It was, yeah, it was this, uh, this Puerto Rican looking shit walks down the beach and calls Mary, his, his wife, a slut. Can you believe that shit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he gets even more <laughs> racist after that, too. Well, not maybe not oh, like, more, but just added 
extra it's, racism. It's, you know, I, I, he, did he look Puerto Rican? Did he look Mexican? Did he smell bad? And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. God, what? well, I mean, it's a movie for boomer dads who are like talking about their kids' boyfriends with a shotgun, you know, or talking yeah. to their. Yeah, and and speaking as someone who is against legal and illegal immigration, uh, you know, he's not in the wrong here. And I have to say, this ends up being somewhat of a theme as things go on. But, uh, but he does he grills Michael for information, and Michael just breaks down and cries and says, "I don't know what's happening." And Cage says, "Like if anything happens to my daughter, I'm holding you personally responsible." Um, so then he meets up with some old friends and asks them to look into his daughter and offers him like two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And they say, "We're family. We'll do this for free. This is great." Also, by the way, if you if you didn't pin, pin, pinpoint that, they're supposed to be in the Irish Mafia. Oh, I did not the, know that. The very well-known Irish Mafia in Mobile, Alabama. That's where this movie <laughs> yes, and not not only is the Irish Mafia prominent in Alabama, they are at war with the Russian Mafia in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> Russian Mafia on the, the Gulf Coast of Alabama. What? What? I yeah, I don't understand why there's so much organized crime activity in Mobile. Um, by the way, none of them have Alabama accents. Like, what is going on? Nobody has a accent in this fucking movie. It's weird. I mean, honestly, props to Cage for not attempting the accent. Well, he he has attempted some Southern dialects, and we all know they're very good. <laughs> oh That's yes. True. Um. So yeah, after that, they go to go question some guy named Oliver, a black guy, and uh, and they threaten to murder a girl that he, he's or that's hanging oh. with him. God. Oh, oh no, just, just, they don't threaten to. They they almost do. Oh yeah, they almost do by like tying a noose around her neck and tying it to a cinder block and throwing it out a window, and then like. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is this movie already? Fucking nuts. That was insane. Yeah, <laughs> that was right insane. off the bat too. And the guy legitimately didn't know anything. <laughs> so. He didn't know anything. And they save her by shooting the rope. And as they walk away, the guy's like, "Oh, how'd you know you were gonna hit the rope?" And he's like, "I didn't think I was going to." Yeah, like, what the this is the most haphazard fucking attempted murder operation of all time. And what's even more fucked up about it is like this girl's just like droning out probably after like shooting up some fucking heroin. And then the next thing she knows, she's getting fucking like hung from a from a from a rope from a cinder block outside of a fucking warehouse. It's just like horrifying shit. And by the way, this is all within the first fucking act of the movie. Like oh, yeah. we're just talking about the first fucking and, act. And realistically, I she would not have survived this. No, <laughs> not like, at all. That would have just snapped her neck. Yeah, that could have easily just snapped her neck. And she's you know, a pretty tiny, scrawny girl. That could have easily just snapped her fucking neck. They're yeah. just dangling her out of a window. Yeah. But uh, so immediately after that, and they realize the guy doesn't have info. They go to Cage and say, "There's no information out there." So that was their one lead. Was this guy that they decided to threaten that way? <laughs> just, like, just like some random homeless black guy and his druggy girlfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Why would they? Fu- why would this guy know? We never see him or hear from him again. <laughs> And yeah, it, was, it was definitely, definitely, definitely like people who are in, in, affiliated with the Irish Mafia in Mobile, Alabama, a homeless black man and his druggy like girlfriend in a fucking random warehouse somewhere. Yeah. For some reason, they refuse to believe that he doesn't have any information until he admits that he loves her. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing 
made no sense. I was so confused during that. And of course, like I said, this was like 1.30 in the morning. So I'm watching this. I'm like, wait, did I just watch what I thought I fucking watched? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then very shortly after that, Caitlin is found dead under a bridge with a gunshot wound to the head. It was apparently around from a Tokarev pistol, which was the standard issue pistol for the Soviet Union in World War II. Um, I, Tokarev, the, also what this movie was titled in Europe. Yeah. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I, I do want to say, um, they act like this could only belong to the Russian mafia throughout, which we see. I, I won't spoil things, but. My immediate thought was like Tokarevs are like there were like millions of those produced. They're really easy to get a hold of. I almost personally bought one. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it, in the logic of the movie, it physically cannot belong to anybody else. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say there's there's not probably a whole lot of uh, Russian you know mob guys of Tokarevs running in in most of Alabama except for Mobile. So it had to be right there. <laughs> but um. So after that, uh, at um, Caitlin's funeral, Peter Stormare shows up in a wheelchair. Uh, oh, and that fucked me up because I'm just like, wait, this is the second episode and this is the second movie I've seen with Peter Stormare in it. Yeah. I think Peter Storm. this is actually the third episode in a row with a Peter Stormare appearance. It actually, <laughs> it is. Yes, that's three Peter Stormare movies in a fucking row. It's you insane. Know, honestly, he 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 played my favorite Peter Stormare character I've I've had so far in the two episodes I've been on. A disabled Irish man who has a Swedish accent. Yeah. <laughs> he was incredible in this movie. Yeah. He shows up at the funeral and he's talking to Nick Cage uh, about his past life, you know, situation. And he's in a wheelchair and he says, "That's the one thing I miss the most: staring down a man threatening him." Yeah. Yeah, being able to stand above him while you stare him down. But yeah, just like he goes off on this monologue about, you know, uh, the things that he misses <laughs> uh, from yeah. being able to stand. Uh, and and that's the thing, right? Is that like he's supposed to have an Irish accent, right? Or am I just wrong on that? Or is he he just doesn't know how to do an accent? I don't know. He's I'm, just talking in, in an accent that is really undefinable because it's not his typical no. accent. But he, he has some like one every 10 words. He has like an Irish inflection on one of those words. So I think they were trying to go for an Irish accent for him. Yeah, I don't know what they were trying to go for with this fucking role. Like, what the fuck? But uh, Stormare basically says to Cage, like, hey, just let the cops handle it. Don't ruin our good situation we got going right now. We don't need to do anything with this. And uh, so uh, after that, we get a, a flashback to what I think is supposed to be a young Cage and those two guys he talked to. Yeah blowing up a it, car so, so i remember it, it is supposed to be a flashback of them because they they go to that flashback several times in the movie but none of them look like nick like one of them looks like maybe a, a fat version of nick cage's like bastard son and i'm like who the fuck is this yeah when that happened i didn't know what was happening i didn't know it was a flashback i thought it was happening in the moment and i didn't know who any of these people were and i was like why am i watching this <laughs> like, <laughs> Did, did another movie get interspliced? Like, what? Yeah. So, because of the round being from a Tokarev, it appears that's like some Russian dudes are the ones that killed him. So, Cage rounds up a posse of his friends to go do some murders of some, the Russian mafia. Um, Before he even goes out to go do his murders, I think, uh, he he becomes a huge asshole to his partner, his his wife, and tell, he's 
doesn't say this in any nice way or anything. He's just like, get the fuck out of here. It's for your own safety. We never see him like build up to this, you know, never being like, please, I need you to like leave. It's for your own safety or anything. Oh, He's yeah, just immediately turned up to 11 with the rage of the title well, that's the thing is it's, it's very it's very hair trigger and then i uh he's like well in uh what what does she what does he say to her like you said by any means necessary and i meant it and then he like takes her by the neck and slams her neck up against the fucking wall and they start making out like yeah yeah just weird shit like yeah, he, like some weird like, like rape culture shit going on yeah it's really fucking weird and rapey he puts his hand around her throat and says like i'm a killer does that turn you on is that why you're staying yeah and then they kiss and afterwards she cries and it's just like oh god i don't know it's it's bad but um i don't know maybe it'll appeal to the boomer dads who knows um i mean this movie is this movie is boomer dad like 100 percent for goddamn sure Absolutely. This is our, uh, it's a little bit late, but it's our official Father's Day episode. <laughs> yeah. podcast. I, mean, I will say any, any white dude over the age of, over the age of 50 <sighs> that watches this movie, it'll be their favorite film of all time. It really will. <laughs> um, so they go to like a Russian rub, uh, run strip club where they see a guy with a neck tat, uh, and Cage recognizes this as the guy that they had killed in that flashback or not killed, but like, you know, they blew up his car and stole his money in that flashback. And uh, so then, like, the guy gets shot by one of uh, one of Cage's two guys. I think they're named, like, Kane and Danny or something. Kane and Danny, yeah. yeah. I think Danny shoots him. And uh, Cage chases him up onto a rooftop. And basically, like, as the guy's dying, Cage is like, no, don't you die, as he beats yeah. his head on the concrete. Um, and he starts. Yeah, he's like, don't you die on me. He, he, he literally he, takes his head slamming it. He bashes this guy's skull into the ground like. 10 times then he gets up and shoots him and starts kicking him yeah. <laughs> yeah while while literally screaming don't die while slamming his head <laughs> and i would like to say too like before this before that the russian guy gives like a monologue area cage is like i know you i know your tattoo i'm i've like 19 years ago i uh roughed you up and i blew up your car and i stole your boss's money and the guy's like oh yeah because of you they cut these two fingers off of me and holds up his hand that's missing two fingers and then i i just find this kind of a crazy situation here because in the grand scheme of things this guy had nothing to do with anything cage just ruined this guy's life two decades ago and then just shows up again and fucking kills him <laughs> <laughs> That that had to be really confusing for that guy. He's like, wait, why now? Please, I just got over it. Why are you telling me not to die? You're like, killing me. <laughs> yeah. Um but they go then after that they go and shoot up some like drug house. Uh and the <laughs> first guy they kill is this black guy that walks up, and it's at this point that I note that I swear every guy they rough up or kill is either black or foreign. <laughs> No, absolutely. That that's one hundred percent correct. This movie was absolutely made, but like this uh, Paco Cabeza guy is one hundred percent a Nazi. There's no way this guy's not a fucking Nazi. Yeah. He's like fucking yeah, murder all the. And, I mean, he's, his name uh, is Paco uh, Cabeza because he's a Nazi that fled to South America after World War Two. <laughs> this, this movie was the precursor to that uh, like Death Wish remake where Bruce Willis just kills black people. That came out like a year or two ago. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see that one, but I didn't see it either because the trailer alone was fucking offensive. <laughs> yeah, no, and also, also it was directed by Eli Roth, so that should give oh, yeah, you another. Eli Roth, an actual Nazi. So. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, Eli Roth's not great. 
Oh, shit. I didn't really know anything about Eli Roth. I just known him as the Bear Jew and the guy who made... Oh, uh, no. His, um, he's, his personal politics are very, very terrible. They're not great. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Very SJW Edgelord type guy. He also married, like, a woman who was, like, 20 when he was, like, in his mid-30s. He's a weird fucking dude. Mm. Uh, so after that, we see the Russian mob boss lamenting how people nowadays shoot first instead of beating the shit out of each other like they used to in the old days. And he says, how am I even supposed to know what these men want? Which, yeah, I can sympathize there because they've just been going around killing a bunch of Russian dudes mindlessly. <laughs> and and I don't even know exactly what they want. But um, so uh, they want justice. Yeah, they street want justice. Street justice. Some Russian people mobsters roll up on um kane one of cage's guys and then just beat his ass and capture him cage chases after them in a car chase uh that is just fucking reckless and <laughs> destroys so much and, shit around town and that's the thing we talked we talked about good like car chase scenes i mean that's that was better than gone in 60 seconds let's be honest right oh yeah oh yes it like, was so good so much better than gone in 60 seconds you could tell that they choreographed that scene very well and did more than one take you could clearly there's tell. no way that i've already forgotten it completely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but then the so like in the middle of this the cops managed to stop him and like they're cuffing him but then danny glover is like you know like hey just just stop will you and releases him and it's like literally just like Danny Glover knows for sure this guy has murdered a bunch of Russian mobsters at this point. Um, he knows that he was just driving around town and, like, crashed into, like, 20 different cars and caused, like, tons of just damage to public property and private property and just, just horrible, reckless endangerment of people. And the cops, they just let him go. Um, yeah, very, very lenient cops in this movie. Yes. In, like, both movies. It's very strange. And, you know, like, I'm not in support of, of uh, police, like, arresting people generally or anything like that. But I got to say, in this particular instance, he is being a horrendous public nuisance and should probably be taken in. <laughs> like, um, um, so uh, after this, like, we see that bad, bad Russian man, bad Russian mobster man um, is torturing Kane now, basically. And then, like, gets it out of him. And it's like, we're doing this because you killed Caitlyn. And then Bad Russian Man is like, I didn't do that. But he also finds out in this that they killed his brother many years ago in that scheme thing. And uh, then he gets real mad and basically murders Kane. So then after that, Cage starts to to uh, goes to the other guy, Danny's place, and says, like, you're a rat. You're a traitor. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember how all this began exactly. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, and yeah, then, this, this sequence was kind of uh, confusing. Yeah, and in the middle of it all, like Danny's like saying something, and Cage goes, "You talked," and then stabs him, and uh, Danny dies. And Cage is just yeah, immediately. Danny boy, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. <laughs> um, he is he is full blown rage at this point. Like he he doesn't just stab him; he rips his insides out. Oh, yeah. But uh, Cage is immediately regretful of this, it seems like. But um, then a uh, bad Russian man kills Peter Stormare uh, after Stormare refuses to take responsibility for having killed bad Russian man's brother all those years ago. Also, and I want to say uh, the bad Russian guy, Chernov is his name. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't if you don't remember what he looks like, uh, look him up. But look at that guy's face and tell me that he's not Russian Tim Allen. <laughs> he is fucking Ruski Tim the Tool Man Taylor. I'm telling you, dude. Like, yeah, I I definitely see it. He is Russian Tim panic. Allen. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. Um, there's a scene where he's like, hey, uh. After this, I'm going jungle to jungle. I'm looking it up right now. That is definitely, uh, that is definitely Dollar General version. Uh, yeah. So yeah, for the listener, if you want to Google this, it's uh, his name is Pasha Lichnikov. Uh, look him up. You'll see. You'll see Russian. <laughs> he looks like Tim Allen if you left him out in the sun a little too long. <laughs> Tim Allen and Vladimir Putin's uh, semen congealed inside a test tube and created a child. It would be Chernoff. Oh, yeah. Also, I got to say, there's a scene where he takes off his shirt. Um, Dude has amazing skin. Like, I want to know his skincare routine. Uh, He's on top of it. Yeah, he's he's not looking too bad. I mean, in the face... Uh, maybe you could <laughs> yeah. use more cream. So he, he looks, yeah, he looks like a, um, like it, like a, like a face graft to somebody who had burns a long time ago. He looks like one of those face grafts on a person. It's not great. His face is bad. Face is bad. Back. All right. It's got a big old tattoo on it. So, um, after this cage is like in his house thinking, and then he goes through his safe with his guns in it and he sees, uh, a Tokarev pistol in there and then realizes like, oh shit. It's Michael. And then I was like, yep, call it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, wouldn't you know, he goes and like threatens Michael with the Tokarev pistol, holds him at gunpoint and like he's yelling at him. And Michael's like, I'm sorry, we didn't. You know, it was an accident. Like we were talking about how you you know, he literally was like, no, we just thought the guns looked cool and it accidentally shot. I'm sorry, dude. Like, shit, that sucks. I'm sorry. Multiple times, like, I just thought it was cool, man. Yeah, he's just yelling about how cool the guns were and how he'd never held a gun before. And uh, Cage, um, yeah, apparently Cage's daughter showed them the guns and then he accidentally shot Cage's daughter in the head. So then they trashed the house to make it seem like a home invasion. Yeah, and I, I will say that um, I, I did not see this twist coming because it's just like I said, I watched this movie at like literally one thirty in the morning. But um, I I was not expecting that twist and the twist really pissed me off, I'll be honest. <laughs> like, well, so you just murdered like 20 people just because like some shithead guy that you were already cool with accidentally killed your daughter and you're just like, afterwards you're like, oh shit, well, fuck, I'm sorry, dude. That sucks shit. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you live too. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, and the he tone- walks away and lets Michael live. Um, the, the tone of the movie is all over the fucking place. It makes no sense. It is very tonally all over the place. No, af- after that, he calls his wife to apologize to her for how shitty he's been, and then the Russians come into his house and kill him, and it's the first scene of the movie where I talked about that 15-second cold open. That's a, that's another thing, uh, another like trend that has happened in movies that I hate, is like doing the cold open and it's just the ending. Yep. Yeah, like, that is a trend that's been going on for quite some time, and it is pretty fucking annoying. But I hate the fuck out of it. And then, also, well, it's not. There is a post-credit sequence where you see his body being wheeled out, and his uh, his wife looks at the body as she looks 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 in horror and starts crying. So, oh yeah, yeah. The movie cuts to black for a second, like after it, he gets blasted away, and it, it it easily could have ended there, but for some reason, there's like. A, a, a breath and then it comes back 
and it's like the paramedics and the police entering his house yeah. and while the credits body bag. yeah well, while the credits are rolling it's that happening but sorry what yeah I, did that. I think they did that for like and no one's gonna want a sequel for this movie but just the idea of just like just killing a possible sequel for this pile of shit you know what it it reminded me of actually was uh uh you you guys seen night of the living dead oh, yes, yeah yeah, yeah oh. the credit sequence of night of the living dead it reminded me of that um, oh, when they when they put all the bodies on the pyre right yeah and like you know it's showing like the roundup of everything afterwards while the credits are rolling and i do kind of like that i think that's kind of neato but like it was weird to have it in this movie too yeah this movie did not need that for sure <laughs> yeah i'm not opposed to it as a concept but in this movie uh it was strange and unnecessary probably yeah so uh that's that's pretty much the end of the movie uh thoughts everybody um, this movie was a massive pile of shit and I really hated it. I really, I didn't even enjoy it and it's so bad. It's good. Like there, there were some funny Nick Cage lines, like him being just weirdly racist for like a minute or two when he's talking to Michael in his bedroom. Um, and of course just Peter Stormare's always amazing performances. But other than that, this movie was pretty unwatchable and I would not recommend it. Yeah. I mean, it, at the very least, in between racist rants, we get a couple good, uh, good cage freakouts, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. we have yeah. been in a drought of, I guess. But I don't think anybody uh, could recommend this movie and um, sleep at night. So. <laughs> and even then, there there are some good Nick Cage freakouts, but they're so far and few between. They're not very common. Not worth the. 99 minute runtime of this movie and they last for like 10 seconds max when they happen yeah honestly the the best one is like you talked you talked that's probably the best one last like yeah 10 15 seconds but um yeah i was gonna say a lot of the camera work in the action scenes too is pretty bad something about it just looks strange like it looked like it was shot at a different frame rate from the rest of the movie Dude, um, it was, it, was weird it made right. sense to me that this director is a TV director because it did feel like a, an extended episode of CSI or something like yeah, Tony. There was a lot of there was a lot of TV choreography with this movie for sure. Definitely. Honestly, yeah. you know, you said uh, Jess, this budget was twenty five million dollars. Yes, I don't know where How? all this fucking money went. Probably Seriously. all of the shitty car chase. Uh, Probably give. Gave Nick Cage twenty four point five million of that fucking oh, budget. Yeah. Like seriously, I think he. What did Danny basically... get out of this? I I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing almost all the money went to Danny Glover, Nicolas Cage, and Peter Stormare. I, I I've seen movies that have cost a million or two, even less than that, that look a million times better than this movie. And yeah. honestly, I feel like, uh, Danny Glover probably like owed somebody a favor and yeah ended up in this because i don't i don't see him like fitting into the budget and he i just don't understand his presence in this movie well he um he phoned it in really bad um like and he he played a very similar role once again in in the saw movie but in the first saw movie but even then he 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 phoned it in even by like late danny glover performance standards it's a pretty bad performance on him and uh, I do have to say, towards the end, it seemed like it was trying to say, like, yeah, you've been rooting for Cage, but, like, look how stupid his actions are. And it seemed to be, like, trying to pitch this message about, like, ending the cycle of violence and owning up to your actions. Uh, but it really didn't yeah. do it, any of the work to make that message work. Oh, um, and, and that's and that's 
that's the thing is that it, and that's a, a common criticism of like anti-war movies for example like you know you made war look cool you made the idea of getting vengeance for your dead daughter look cool uh-huh so the, the they tried turn, to like, they didn't do it very well but they tried <laughs> The, the, the thematic heel turn at the end where they're just like oh no violence and vengeance is bad actually and it ruins like everything about like you know your future and your life and it's like well i mean you could have shown that in a way that wasn't glorifying the violence mm-hmm. yeah maybe the lesson is don't keep a loaded gun in an unlocked case when you have kids uh, yeah no kind of stupid not yeah. a great idea in this age not to get uh, ahead of my reviews here but there was a lot of reviews that i saw that were like I really liked this movie until it got political. And <laughs> like, I don't like, I didn't get that at all from this movie. And I feel like even if you're going to interpret the message of this movie as a political statement, like it was so poorly made that I don't understand how you could be offended by it. Like, yeah. I, I, I honestly don't even understand what this movie could have even had as a political message. This movie is pretty just I think, real world politics almost. I think when like right wingers see uh, somebody like die accidentally by a gunshot in a movie, they assume it is a commentary on their guns. And I mean, and e- even if it is like maybe it is, uh, it's. It's not a good one, and also, like, I feel like it's a bit of a reach to make that conclusion from this movie, yeah. where Nicolas Cage murdered a bunch of minorities. Yeah, it, it's and, looking to be a little, it's looking to be offended by something. And, yeah, uh, especially Nicolas Cage's constant murder of various minorities, um, and, like, his fucking, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't understand how a person could view this as having some sort of political message. I mean, the the message is mostly like stop chasing vengeance, and it doesn't even give that. Well, yeah, it does. It does that very poorly. <laughs> yeah, if anything, Liam Neeson uh, should be offended by the commentary on his performance in Taken or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, Dave, you got a summary? Oh, do I? Hell yeah! Oh boy. On September 7th, 2000, Rage attended the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards and performed Testify. After the Best Rock Video Award was given to Limp Bizkit, however, Cage climbed onto the scaffolding of the set. Cage and his bodyguard were sentenced to a night in jail, and the Russian uh, Tim the Toolman guy reportedly left the award after the stunt. Tim the Toolman recalled that Cage relayed his plan to the rest of Rage before the show, and both uh, Tim the Toolman and uh, fucking the other guy in the movie advised <laughs> him against it immediately after Biscuit was presented the award. On October 18, 2000, Cage released a statement announcing his departure from Rage. He said, I feel it is no- now necessary to leave Raged because our decision-making process has completely failed. It is no longer meeting the aspirations of all four of us collectively as Rage, and from my perspective has undermined our artistic and political ideal. Just a side note, for you saying this was not a political movie, I don't know where you get that. <laughs> there was so much squabbling over everything, explained Russian Tim the Toolman. And I mean everything. We would have fistfights over whether our t-shirts were mauve or camouflage. It was ridiculous. We were patently political, internally compostable. Again, very political. 
it was ugly for a long time. Excellent, excellent summary. Um, to be fair, that is about something I find far more interesting than this movie. Um, uh, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, so, like, uh, good job there. <laughs> hey, thanks. I just thought it was important to point out this was a very political film. Oh, yeah, certainly. Certainly. <laughs> but, uh, so, and also Tim the Toolman riding up with Tim Comerford. I like it. But, but anyways, <laughs> moving on to... Well, actually, it was, uh, uh, it, it was... Russian Tim the Tool Man and Nicolas Cage. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, wasn't it crazy when the all the guys from Audio Slave got together and then created Rage Against the Machine? Yeah, it was fucking nuts. I know. Who would have thought, you know? Yeah, and they got that other dude. The one who wasn't in Soundgarden. From oh. Nirvana. Yeah. Um, Zach Cobain. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you want to go through your Amazon reviews? Uh, yeah, I got some, uh, got some real gems here, um, from the Rage reviews. Um, first one is a five-star rating from J. Krisna Raspit Top. Uh, they titled it Great Movie and Great Price, um, and they said, I love this movie. Cool story. Gangster movie. <laughs> Father takes revenge for his daughter. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is awesome. He needs to do another National Treasure movie. <laughs> okay, Mike, you definitely wrote that review. Uh, you know what? I feel like my soulmate wrote that review. <laughs> uh, you know, it has the just the right amount of exclamation points and sentence fragments. Um, I mean, Dave might have written it. I don't know. What? I got a... Mm, um, I got one from uh, Joanne Solis Kuss, uh, also a five-star rating. The message is epic. <laughs> Live by the sword, die by the sword. A must-see movie. At least she had uh, a good time with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Sandra J. Hubbard also wrote a five-star review. Um, and the review is short and sweet. And it says, Gart. <laughs> what how is that uh, spelled g-e-a-r-t which is either a misspelling of great or heart I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Gart by you, had, you, had one, you had one job is to spell that one word right and you fucked it up you dumb bitch jesus christ oh my god <laughs> Um, this next review um, is titled Don't Bother. Um, and it says, Until Wallywood gets its head out of its political you-know-what, things like this are a waste of time. So good. Until the inevitable message. Such a waste of a great plot. <laughs> but it's the, it was so good when they were just killing minorities. <laughs> and then it got to the point where it said violence is bad and boom too much <laughs> the thing just you don't understand is that is that killing minorities isn't politics but pacifism is politics yes what? pacifism is <laughs> uh. 
Um, I got another one from Jeremy Johnson, um, whose review is titled, Cage is Usually a Good Actor. My wife is from Mobile. <laughs> um, and he writes, uh, Cage is usually a good actor. My wife is from Mobile, Alabama, where this movie was shot. Cage was very friendly to the people he meet on the street there. But this movie was a real waste of his talent and time. The sound editor should be fired. We had to constantly go up and down with volume. The movie lacked any substance. I would wait for this to come on cable, or at least Amazon should make it free with Prime. Well, I have good news for you, Jeremy Johnson. Five years after you wrote this review, your dreams came true. I will say is that that review is 100% accurate. Like, everything is true about it. Look, he did, this person... Um, did bring up the thing that I brought up last time with wind talkers, you know, like the, the huge dynamic shifts in volume level. So like, I gotta yeah. say like, there's a thing there, but you know, that's the thing though. I think the one thing that he is wrong though, I think his wife's not from mobile. I think there might be, might be from another city. That's <laughs> definitely a lie. Yeah. I think that's a lie. Cause I mean, who, who the fuck is ever from mobile, Alabama? It's a place that doesn't exist. Probably. Yeah. I think he was just trying to drum up publicity for this review and yeah. I guess it worked cause we're talking about it here. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, well, I believe 189,572 yeah. people are from Mobile, Alabama. It's really weird to have that many people in a place that doesn't exist. That's awful. It is in imagination. Yeah. Mobile is actually a kind of phone. <laughs> um, I have a few more here. I know. I know we're low on time, probably. But uh, Clayton Winston writes a very bad film. Ah. Uh, imagine a gangster film. Then imagine an art film. Then imagine an M. Night Shyamalan film. Imagine Nick Cage. Put them together and what do you get? A very bad film. <laughs> End. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, that works. it's not that bad, I guess. I, I mean, I, he's kind of spot out a little bit. I don't know if I would. I mean, okay, it has a twist, sort of. But the twist is not really a twist, and that like you know, two of us called it. Um, I don't know, but yeah, you know that that's the thing too. Two people called it, and I was too tired to notice. That's not really much of a twist. Yeah, and I I will say though the one anecdote before we leave, I accidentally watched the movie Primal, <laughs> Cage, because in the last episode I was stupid and made a Primal rage about the fucking uh, mid nineties arcade game. So watch that movie first, and then they told me I was supposed to watch Rage, and I'm like, fuck, now i got to watch another bad Nick Cage movie. Yeah, yeah it, just the funniest fucking coincidence that Nick Cage has a movie <laughs> named Primal and a movie named Rage. Yeah, <laughs> you had watched Primal, and I looked it up, and I saw Nick Cage was in it. I was, I thought we got the matchup wrong, and it turns out Primal is not actually in our bracket, I don't think. No, no, because that came out since we started this podcast, actually. Oh, um, God. And that's the thing, though, now, now that, now that I have uh, watched both of those movies, I feel more comfortable after this episode is done to just play my version of Primal Rage that I have on the GameCube. So <laughs> that would be, be more entertaining than both of those movies combined. Well, maybe we can knock Primal out right now. Taylor, which do you think is better? <laughs> um, objectively speaking, Primal is a lot better, but they're both not great movies. Oh. Okay, but um, well, I guess Ooh, I can't movie. wait for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be like two years from now and it'll be like taylor we're gonna review prime uh, primal and i'm like 
Oh fuck! I watched the movie two years ago. Oh, You're gonna watch Rage by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, hey Dave, uh, I think it's time for the vote now. You want to give us a countdown? No. Oh, that's what I love to hear. Uh, All right, three, two, one. God, it's sixty seconds. Yeah. I think that's a pretty unanimous one. Gone in 60 Seconds is objectively a way better film. Yeah, I, I think Absolutely. that was obvious bef- well before the vote, which one that was going to go for the listener. But uh, I did have to say right there, all I could think about was Rage, and I didn't want to say Rage because I knew I was voting against it, but I couldn't remember <laughs> what I was voting for. Uh, <laughs> I had to think about it for a microsecond. I'm like, wait, wait, what is it? Gone? I, almost, I swear to God, I almost said Gone with the Wind there for a second. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds is actually like a fairly good movie. Um, I, I, I would actually really recommend that to people as like, you know, a good popcorn movie. I definitely will agree with that, Jess. Very entertaining and also fair, like a fairly good film. So, mm-hmm. And um, if you've given it less than a four star rating on any website, you are an elitist and you can suck my bunghole. So on our next episode... Uh, the next two movies will be Army of One and uh, Season of the Witch, which Season of the Witch I have heard of. Um, I have two, and I'm honestly kind of excited about it. I know it's not the Halloween movie Season of the Witch, unfortunately, which is one of my favorite horror <laughs> films of all time. Such a good movie. Oh, wait, so no, fuck. I'm a dumbass. I'm thinking of Season of the Witch because I was thinking of the title of the Halloween movie, and the movie I was picturing in my mind was The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So never mind. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. this is neither of those <laughs> yeah. uh, but i think it's gonna be a fun one uh, i think so too I think this will be a very be a very good next episode definitely a, hopefully better movies than rage that's and sure. also is the final matchup of round one of cage fight yes oh fuck yeah and then we'll be finally launching into round two which um will have you know, a lot better movies than it did any of the ones in this one so far. I'm so excited about that. It only took nearly a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dave is on notice. See, that, well, this it'll be way easier to go through this now because we'll actually see some fucking decent movies. We'll see good movies and we'll be talking about movies that we've already talked about. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a fun time. Okay, um, so yeah, uh, check out, what is it, Army of One and Season of the Witch, and also check out Fred Durst's eHarmony and Fred Durst's CarMax commercials that he directed, which... Once again, not, not CarMax, the lip balm, CarMax. Yeah, like Don't the, get those two confused. Yep. But if we could uh, use this platform to campaign to get Fred Durst in a CarMax commercial, that would be swell as well. It's oh, just yes. one of those days where you have cracked lips on them. <laughs> and as always, it if, we could, itself. if we could use this platform to get Garfield Food Truck to give us a sponsorship, they're saying they don't have money. We all know they have money. They have Garfield money, and we need that, okay? I think National Pleasure is going to step in on this one. I think it's only a matter of time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we'll squeeze uh, every last nickel they've got. You're damn right we will. And uh, so, uh, everyone, hope you had fun on this one, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
This has been a Solid Work production. Solid Work. Solid Work. Uh, Solid Work. Hey, Solid Work. work.